It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. From now, and we're asking sporting events you would love to go to. Uh, before, yeah, bucket list. We really need to rephrase that better. But bucket list, anywhere around the world, what sporting event would you like to go to? And, or you can do both, uh, or one, uh, what sporting event uh, that has been on in the past uh, in Australia or around the world would you have loved to have gone to uh, but didn't? Uh, but which one of those would you have liked to have gone to? one 736 736 text 433 It is stumps on day three of the test match in Adelaide, the second test match uh, between Australia and England, with Australia uh, leading by 282 runs with nine wickets remaining. Marcus Harris not out, 21. Night watchman Michael Nisa not out too. Joining us to discuss everything about it, he's a bit of a regular on the overnight crowd uh, as well, it's Andrew Mensel. He's the co-host of Cricket Unfiltered. Andrew, good evening to you. Yeah, good evening, Daniel. What a week for you. You <laughs> survive all week with Jaleesa Apps in the in the breakfast chair and then you're hosting your own show on Saturday night. How are you holding up? Uh, I, I'm coping well. No, you had to survive, uh, Jaleesa. No, she's been lovely. She'd be absolutely brilliant, actually, on the breakfast show in Sydney with uh, Jimmy Smith doing a fantastic job uh, filling in, uh, of course, Channel 10 reporter. And, of course, she's one of your co-hosts as well. Yep, she's excellent. Uh, she loves all the sport, but... Uh, Yep, she kept you on your toes, I noticed, in the morning. She went a bit rogue, so uh, good fun for you. She, Yes, she, she did, and I believe uh, she's been at a hen's party today, so I wonder how she is. But anyway, I hope she had a good time. We're not here to talk about uh, her, though, as brilliant and as lovely as she is. Uh, Andrew, uh, brilliant. Uh, well, interesting day, I suppose. It was going to be a brilliant day uh, for England. That first session, fantastic, and, and you thought... Uh, the partnership between Joe Root and David Milan, uh, they were going to cause some issues for Australia, but then uh, as they have done uh, and have had a tendency to do over the first two test matches is some of these batsmen make a start and then uh, they lost eight for 86. Yes, well, uh, we found Joe Root's kryptonite and it's Cameron Green because until he dismissed him, it looked like England could fight their way back into this test match and then the series. And you're right, Milan and Root batted excellently in the first session, didn't lose a wicket, put on 123. And you think maybe England can save this match, but then Green gets Root, Milan goes soon after, and then they collapse to 236. And they didn't avoid the follow-on, but Australia didn't enforce it. But, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a stunning um, turnaround for the Australians. You know, at one point when you sort of think, you know, no Cummins, no Hazelwood, uh, those two, Root and Milan together, maybe they can stretch the attack. But then, you know, Stark bowled so well, four for 37, Nathan Lyon, three for 58. They're the two most experienced bowlers and they showed their class in the situation. What do you make of Australia not enforcing that uh, follow-on? I was saying before the break that uh, there were a few people in the office here that thought they should uh, enforce the follow-on if they got the chance. They did get the chance. Steve Smith decided not to. Do you agree with that decision? 
Yeah, it's a tough one. I think Australia's um, since that famous uh, follow-on with Steve Waugh when India um, won that famous test match with Laxman and Dravid, every Australian captain's petrified to do it. I thought probably what happened for Australia is that the tail just wagged a little bit too long for yeah. Australia. And when they were kept out there that extra hour, they probably decided to give their bowlers a bit of a, a rest and freshen up and then have a crack at them tomorrow with a lead of, you know, 450. But... I mean, I would caution um, the optimism from the Australians. I think the pitch is flattening out. And although it's it's probably, you know, not likely that England will bat it out, I wouldn't rule it out because it's, it's looking actually a pretty good de- deck to bat on. And Australia looked okay against the new ball tonight, which is usually the danger time. Well, that's what I was saying. If what people are saying, and they, Australia will probably want to bat until twilight uh, tomorrow night. Now, I know they got those two early wickets uh, yesterday or last night before rain stopped play, but it's a, it is a dangerous game because England, as we saw today with David Milan and Joe Root, they do have the capability, if they really dug in, uh, to last that day in a bit, especially if they could get through tomorrow night uh, losing no wickets. Yeah, you're spot on, Danny. Um Stokes, you know, he soaked up almost 100 balls today in making his 34. He's someone you can bank. He could bat a day, day and a half to save a game, no problem. So I actually think Australia should aim to declare halfway through the second session tomorrow. That means that the bowlers get an hour at England before the tea break or the dinner break, and they go in, catch their breath, come out under lights with a newish ball still and, and have a crack. And that gives Australia a day and a half That'll be about 120, 130 overs. And I think that would be bare minimum for Australia. And, but, you know, they wouldn't want to let England off here because England have a better record when they get to Melbourne and Sydney. So we've got them down. We've got to put the foot on the throat and get the win. Uh, text here, no name on it, 0433981116 if you want to send us a text. Uh, says, hello, first ball after tea, Nisa to Chris Wokes. Clearly nicked the ball and it was missed by everyone except the public who are all talking about it. Uh, he goes on, did any of the listers see it? Well, if you did, 0433981116. Did you see that, Andrew? No, I didn't. I, I don't remember that one. So I missed it as well, like everybody else. Yeah, no, uh, I missed it, but he didn't, so or she didn't. So thank you for the text, 0433981116. If you did see that, uh, let us know. Look, we'll talk about the Big Bash in a second, but just uh, a couple of other things, and it'll be something I'll t- chat to Scott Bailey about uh, as well. Now, we well, firstly, actually, what did you make of the whole Pat Cummins situation uh, on the first day of the test? I mean, I was in here on Thursday morning, and I thought it's all good. Uh, Pat Cummins, we playing. Obviously, Jai Richardson uh, got his chance. Now, he didn't take a wicket in that first innings either, so uh, he'll want to take a couple of wickets in the second innings when he gets another chance, but still bowled uh, pretty well. But the whole Pat Cummins thing, obviously, a close contact, and it's all a bit confusing, isn't it, Andrew? Because in different states, uh, there's different rules. Obviously, in New South Wales and Victoria, it's very different to what's happening in South Australia. But news today uh, that uh, not only uh, did he miss the game and he had to quarantine, he actually is now back in Sydney. Uh, and I'm not even sure he probably... I think he is isolating, but technically by uh, New South Wales rules, he wouldn't have to. Yeah, that's right. I read that report as well. So Pat Cummins is back in Sydney. Mm. He is still avoiding public places mm. and uh, large gatherings because they're sort of the, the rules now for the players going forward in the ashes. But that was just the most incredible sequence of events. You know, Pat Cummins just installed to the captaincy after the Tim Payne debacle and then is ruled out of the very next game. And 
the, the knock-on effect to that was quite incredible. I mean, you have Steve Smith returning to the captaincy the first time since the sandpaper uh, saga in, in Cape Town, which is an, an amazing story. And I actually think if any good has come of it, it's that, the fact that, uh, Australia now has got over that hump of having Steve Smith as captain and the sky didn't fall in, uh, nothing bad happened, a, a hole didn't sw- open up and swallow up everyone at the Adelaide Oval. So, you know, there's no problem with Steve Smith being captain of Australia. And, and then you look at someone like Michael Nisa. I mean, he was left out of this test match. He, he may never have played a test match and yet now he's got a test cap, he's got a wicket. And uh, yeah, just a, one of the more remarkable stories this summer already. So you're, you have no issues with the Steve Smith being captain of Australia again? No, not at all. I don't have any issues with him being captain. I still think sort of it remains to be seen whether captaincy suits his personality. I think in the first go at it, he got a bit emotional. It ended up burning him out and it obviously uh, led to the events in Cape Town. But uh, I have no problem with it. And I'm, I'm glad he got to do it. And in a way, the fact that it just happened at the click of the fingers meant there wasn't time for a lot of public debate or speculation. So I think that worked in his favor. And I think it's one of the more remarkable stories. And then he goes out and makes 93. He's been catching everything, anything, you know, with a cooey of him, he's been grabbing it and his tactics have been spot on. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's just a really, you know, it's a nice part of what happened to Pat Cummins is, you know, the knock-on effect to Smith. Yeah, 100%. Uh, A bit of news coming out today that with the coronavirus case numbers in both Melbourne and Sydney, in fact, it only came out over the past uh, couple of hours. Uh, Melbourne and Sydney has forced Cricket Australia to elevate uh, its biosecurity protocols at level four restrictions for the next two Ashes tests. Now, uh, the Sun-Herald in Sydney is reporting players drinking in bars, getting haircuts and working out in public gyms will all be banned for the Boxing Day tests and New Year test build-ups in response to skyrocketing daily case numbers. As we know, New South Wales recorded 2,482 new cases today, uh, while Victoria recorded 1,500, just over 1,500 cases. Now, players are also unlikely to be allowed to sign autographs or take selfies with fans in the lead-up to and during the next two games. Uh, we'll have a chat uh, to Scott Bailey about that a little later on, but I think that's all fair enough. Obviously, uh, it does say that they're still going to be allowed to go out in groups of threes, but I think with what happened with Pat Cummins, and Scott might be able to touch more on this, but with what did happen to Pat Cummins on, thir- on Wednesday and then going into Thursday, players might be a bit more careful, potentially in those two cities at the moment where the coronavirus cases are escalating. That's right, and I, I think those restrictions that they've put in place now are very sensible given the case numbers. But I I was thinking about this overnight. If you're a player, maybe you don't want to take any risks and you don't want to miss an an Ashes test. So it's, you know, maybe it's delivery food and a lot of time in a hotel room watching, you know, Netflix or something and and you just suck it up. I know, look, a lot of players have, have been in a really tough situation, but you know what it's like, Danny. If the players are given the choice, you know, you can go out and sit outside or you can sit in your hotel room. Some of them might just think it's safer to be in the hotel room and they get the Ashes test. But, uh, yeah, um, you know, it's just a it's a really unique situation. I, look, I think you could probably be assured that there'll be another player ruled out sometime in the next the rest of the series.
And, and you know, a lot of times sport follows what happens in actual life as well. And I, I know from people uh, that I work with and friends of mine, uh, I've got a, f- a friend who's basically not going out for the next week because he doesn't want to get caught in a situation where he is a close contact over Christmas and New Year. I'm, I'm sort of the same. So uh, you can sort of understand that. Look, we'll talk more about the test with Scott Bailey from AAP uh, a bit later on. But there's a few other things uh, going on as well, Andrew. Andrew Menzel, uh, my special guest on the Overnight Crowd here on SEN. Uh, now... Let's talk about the Perth Scorchers big bash situation at the moment. Obviously, uh, we've got this uh, escalating cases in New South Wales and Victoria. No one allowed uh, into Perth. What is going on with the Perth Scorchers? They're going to be on the road all tournament. They're allowed to take their families for Christmas. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So AJ Ty spoke to the media in the last 24 hours, and he spoke about the heartbreaking decision to... Um, not play any more home games in Perth for the Scorchers. They were actually scheduled to play a game in the next few days, but it just seemed like it was going to be too difficult and there were going to be too many restrictions placed on the players. So they're actually going to be on the road for the rest of the tournament. And uh, that means they'll be away for Christmas, which is, I think, the first time the Scorchers have been away for Christmas. And uh, their families are going to be allowed to go with them um, for Christmas. But the problem is, Daniel, they can't get back. So no, no. They want to go back to Perth. They have to quarantine for two weeks, I think. Um, so, look, beware the Scorchers because they've got three early wins. Mm. And they're a very good team. And we saw the Sixers last uh, season on the road apart from the final and they lifted the title but yeah look it's a tough one for the Scorchers that means they only have one male cricket match in WA this summer um, two years in a row they've had a pretty tough run yeah, uh, Perth not, uh, at the moment, Western Australia not opening borders, I think, what, February 5? But you, you've got to wonder uh, if that will change again uh, with what's happening on the East Coast. Yeah, Tim Gossage is not very happy about this, Daniel. No, is I've he not? Say, if you listen to him on the radio, <laughs> no, no, he's been doing a lot of fill-in stuff and he, he's not happy old Goss over in the West. And I've got to say, I've got a lot of sympathy for cricket fans over there. Yeah, and sport fans uh, as a whole. I mean, if we're still in the same situation in two months, uh, AFL obviously... Uh, want to be playing over there. So, yeah, it's another probably another issue for another time. But, uh, yeah, I feel sorry for anyone in Western Australia who wanting to see live sport and not getting uh, a lot of it. Uh, Andrew, this is a weird one, and it came to my attention uh, the other day. The Big Bash, which has been struggling uh, for crowds, it has to be safe to say, uh, over the past, well, since it started a couple of weeks ago. Um, they've scheduled a match for tomorrow night up at the Gabba. Now, this is up against the day-night test. Now, we're all assuming uh, that the test will go in uh, to tomorrow night. What is the what is Cricket Australia thinking here of scheduling a big bash match? And really, if the test match is on a knife's edge, or even if it isn't, who's going to be watching the big bash over the test match? Well, I spend hours and hours a week meditating on the big bash, <laughs> big bash yes. schedule, trying yes. to think about the best way it can come out. And uh, they're in a really tough spot because they've, they've locked in to play a full home and away season for every team, mm. which is 14 games per mm. team. And they have to fit it in. And there's a, they don't want the tournament to go into February because the broadcasters don't want it. So they want it to finish the end of January, which means you know it has to start early-ish December, which we saw this year. And then they have to squeeze in all the games between early December and the end of January. And that means that there are nights like tomorrow night where 
the broad the cricket Australia are probably thinking there's a good chance the Adelaide Test finishes on the fourth afternoon, mm. and therefore we could probably squeeze in two big bash games on the fourth and fifth day. But this is a nightmare scenario for cricket Australia, an absolute nightmare because it actually seems like the decisive moment of the Test will be when the big bash game is starting. So it's kind of backfired. But I, I really feel for cricket Australia because you've got to get all these games in somewhere. And yeah. if you're going to play 14 games per team, uh, you know, when do you play them? So um, I feel for them, but as I said, it's backfired in a big, big way. Yeah, a couple of text messages here. Uh, no name on this one. England will go home early if they're forced to play under these ridiculous restrictions. Don't blame them. Well, well, that's uh, that's the other thing. I, that thing about Cricket Australia is in terms just of Australia at the moment. But what does happen with England, uh, you know, if, if they are made Oh, no, to... I, that, that, no they're going to stay. I'll I heard stay, Ben yeah. Stokes say that... It, England are on board. They understand it's actually very sensible not mm. to go out in big groups because, you know, well, what if, you know, all the bowlers go out for dinner and there's a close contact at the next table? Then yeah. all the bowlers are ruled out. So uh, England are on board. They just don't want to be locked in a hotel. I think that's where they draw the line. James also says, oh, boo-hoo, WA have had a tough run, have they? Try living in Victoria over the past two years. I spent the majority, uh, spent quite a lot of time in Victoria. So, uh, no, everyone has had it tough. Uh, yeah, WA, the people haven't had it tough. Uh, but I think, yeah, uh, we'll move on from that. But no, I do understand uh, the point. I think everyone's having a bit of a tough I time. I mean the cricket, Daniel. The cricket, I mean, the yes, cricket. of course. I mean, yes. They haven't had much live cricket. Hey, just quickly, just on the big bash as well, what have you thought of the season uh, so far? It, as I said, struggling a bit for crowd numbers, and there could be um, a lot of reasons for that. And I suppose one of the things I've heard, not just this season, but over the past couple of seasons, is in terms of uh, it's overkill. It's played every night. It's on all the time. Uh, do you think Cricket Australia, even though I know they have tried to change the format in recent times, do you think they need to maybe look at doing something else next year, maybe maybe make it a shorter format? I suppose, though, if they do that, it will probably upset the TV rights holders who obviously want uh, the cricket on every night because they get decent ratings. Yeah, look, I wasn't joking when I said I meditate on this <laughs> weekly. And, Sounds um, like you have a lot of fun. It, it always is. Yeah, it always is a little bit of a slow burn up until mm. Christmas with the Big Bash show. Mm. I wouldn't read too much into it with the crowds. It's always like this in December. The TV ratings have still been pretty good. Mm. And I think Australia winning the T20 World Cup is great for the Big Bash because it means all the Australian players playing in it are now world champions. And that's fantastic. So uh, I think that's the first thing. Secondly... I really think upon, as I said, hours of meditation that maybe they have to move back from 14 games per team to 10 games per team. That seems to be the the perfect amount. Um, But that would mean waiting until this sort of cycle of TV rights are done. And then, um, you know, when they go put the rights up next time, that's the new deal. But, you know, that's taking away income from the game, but I think it, maybe the competition will be overall stronger if there's just that qu- slight adjustment. And just quickly as well, a few injury concerns for the Sydney Sixers. Uh, Tom Curran, I believe, ruled out for the rest of the series. Yeah, that's the big one. Uh, the Sixers have lost Tom Curran. He's got a troublesome hot spot in his back. That follows on from losing Ben Menenti for the season. And also Stephen O'Keefe's going to miss the next few games. So this, the champions, the team going for the three-peat, have some concerns. Jackson Bird and Sean Abbott are due back soon. And 
the Pope, Lloyd Pope. Maybe the Pope can save the day uh, because, you know, with Sock and Menenti out, they'll, they'll need a spinner. So, yeah, watch the Sixers. Um, I think the Scorchers and the Sixers will be battling it out for top spot. And now, just before we go, uh, let you go, uh, been asking the listeners, one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 or 0433981116, uh, what sporting event uh, is on your bucket list? Which one would you like to go uh, around the world? Or which is one that has been in the past, again, anywhere in the world, that you didn't get to go to, but you'd have liked to have gone to? Do you have any nominations for that, Andrew? Absolutely. I've got two for you. Go so for um, I would love to go back to Leeds in 1930 when Don Bradman scored 300 in a day. Yep. Um, so that's the one I'd like to travel back to. <laughs> yes, if you and could. And bucket list. Exactly. And bucket list, I want to go to Game 7 of a Baseball World Series. Baseball World Series. That would be good, wouldn't it? Game seven. Yeah. Yep. So um, I've been to some baseball, but I'd love to go to a, a big game like that. You, also, you almost uh, need uh, like a Back to the Future type movie thing, wouldn't you? That would be great. Just get, get in one of those cars uh, and then just travel anywhere you want. Uh, a DeLorean? Uh, yes, That's a DeLorean. Right. That's the one. Yes, that would be good, wouldn't it? Exactly. Uh, if any of your listeners have invented a time machine, please let me know. Our listeners are very smart. They may well have done that. Uh, before I let you go, final question for you. Uh, who wins this test match? Are you favouring Australia still? Oh, yeah. I think Australia should go on to win it. But beware, England. It's flattening out, and they could produce a miracle like South Africa did about five years ago on the same ground. Yeah, no, very, very interesting day, day four tomorrow kicking off. You'll hear it, of course, here all around uh, the country on SEN. Jared Waitley and the team uh, leading the coverage, the best coverage in the business. Andrew, thank you very, very much. What's coming up in the podcast this week? A lot coming up. We'll get Jaleesa back from yes. the morning, so that's exciting. Yes. And uh, obviously we'll be reflecting on the ashes. But thanks for having me on your first show. I feel honoured. Uh, you know, it's your maiden voyage, so thank you. Thank you, and thank you for agreeing to come on. Uh, and we might speak to you in again next Sunday after day one of Boxing Day. So uh, we might have a chat again then. Yeah, well, my family's gone to London for a month, so it's Bachelor Manners for the next <laughs> four weeks. So I'm available. I'm keen. Call me whenever. Hitting the pubs? Oh, no, I'm so boring. It'll just be, I'll be one of those people that'll be watching the test tomorrow. I'll have the big bash on another screen. I'll be watching some cricket after play. It's wall-to-wall sport. Very exciting. Andrew, thank you very much. We'll chat again soon. Thanks, Daniel. Cheers. Andrew Ensel from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Very, very good uh, listen and uh, knows his stuff. Uh, it is the overnight crowd. Daniel Pettigrew with you. Uh, your calls on 1300 736 736. Text 0433 98 After the break, here on SEN. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto, don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.